Good afternoon, church family. Good to see you all here. I want to thank our media team for that cool little video that they made and also for the graphics they have here. Now, I want to talk to my teenagers, my youth. I know a lot of you guys are in the balcony before as we get started this morning. In case you didn't know, this is a telephone. <laughs> got it, Gen Z? Gen Z, you make calls on it, no cap. Just, just so you got it. I just wanted to catch you guys up there. But... Um, Seriously, how many have used this phone or had it in their home? Oh, wow, okay, look at it. Still, anyone still have it? Any rotary phone users? Oh, we got a few. All right, all right. So you guys know about this phone. Now, I remember having corded phones, but we never had a rotary phone in my home growing up. But we did have the phone connected to the kitchen, and you could only talk on it as far as that cord would go, right? That's where you would have your conversations. Now, the best day for me, um, I think I was probably in eighth grade around that time, um, my parents allowed me to have a phone in my room. And you know what? I actually have it still. Look at that. Very awesome. I was so excited because when my friends called, I could answer it before my little brother did. And so I would be on my phone. I mean, isn't this cool? Thank you. Yeah, it's very cool. And um, with one phone line in the house, though, my mom, yeah, some of you all know, my mom would go on um, after when everyone was late at night and I was on the phone still, she would go on the phone line down there and say, Lindsay, it's time for bed. You can hang up the phone now. And someone after first service actually told me there used to be these things called party lines. Yes? Okay, I just learned about that right after first service. So apparently, for those of you who didn't know, like myself, the same phone line would run run to multiple homes. So you could listen in on your neighbor's phone conversation as well, right? Just just not the phone. But um, things continued to change with phones, and we got cordless phones in our homes, so then we can walk around the whole house without being connected to the wall, right? And then next, after this uh, pager phase, we got cell phones, cellular devices. And I'm sure probably almost every single one of us in this room has a cell phone um, with you probably right now, your smartphone, right? And I got my first cell phone. I was a senior in high school. I went to boarding academy. And here's, I had my first cell phone too. Look at that. Probably had this phone. It's one of the most sold phones apparently out there. It's a little Nokia, and it had Snake on it. That was a game. And um, you, you listen. And when I um, then I got my first job, and I got my first smartphone. Was my first youth pastor job? And these are these are some old phones that I had. And if I popped a tire, I could like life altered, right? If you popped a tire as you're driving, you could call and you could get help. If I was lost, um, I could call my dad and say, hey, pull up MapQuest and get me some directions, please. Um, And I used these phones a ton for work when I started working, and it changed everything, right? Being able to just communicate just like that. Being able to pick up the phone and call whenever we wanted, if signal allowed. But the thing is, get this, with Jesus... He's more like a wireless phone than a corded phone. You can call him anytime. 
We can call on Jesus any time we want to, right? We're not connected to a wall. We're not, we don't have to be connected to a church. We don't have, to, or you can be connected to church, but you don't have to be in a church to call him. You don't have to be through a priest to call him. You yourself can call on God no matter what. Just pick up the phone and call. So we, um, as a pastoral team, sat together and we talked about this July series, the month of July we're talking about, and it's called The Answer. And today we're talking about, in case of emergency, who do you call in the storm? Now, sitting here today in our beautiful sanctuary, when that question is posed, who do you actually call in the storm? We know the answer to the question, right? Who do we call? Jesus, exactly. My teen's in the balcony. You guys know the answer. The two-year-old sitting by you. All of us know the answer. We call on Jesus in the storm, right? Of course, all three synoptic gospels talk about this story, the calming of the sea. Jesus and his disciples, they get in a boat. Like they had done many times before, the gentle waves quietly lulled a very tired Jesus to sleep. And then out of nowhere, the wind starts picking up. The waves start getting choppier. There's rain, there's lightning, there's thunder. They find themselves in the middle of a huge storm. We know the story. And the disciples are very afraid, right? And when seasoned fishermen are afraid, like they've seen some storms. When they get nervous and they get afraid, like, Something, it's a big deal, correct? Something is big. And this is a big storm. And I'm sure, I'm sure they'd seen other storms before, but these waves just kept coming into the boat and they're trying to keep this boat afloat and they're bailing out water and they're paddling on the oars. They're getting nowhere. And it's just too big crashing in onto them. And actually Ellen White says in The Desire of Ages, she says of the disciples, absorbed in their efforts to save themselves, they had forgotten that Jesus was on board. Now seeing their labor vain and only death before them, they remembered at whose command they had set out to cross the sea. In Jesus was their only hope. In their helplessness and despair, they cried out to him. You see, when we obey Jesus, when he's asked you to do something, he's there with you. He won't leave you hanging. So when the lightning strikes in the boat and they glance and they see Jesus asleep, they have fear in their eyes and they yell out to him. The Bible says they said, Master, Master, do you not care that we're about to die? And the sound of the storm covers their cries and I imagine they have to yell multiple times and Jesus awakes. And he says, oh, I wish you had more faith. And I imagine if Jesus had said more in that moment, um, he would have said, I'm here with you. You've obeyed me. I've instructed you. You've come out. You've seen the miracles, disciples. I care about you. I'm the son of God here with you. But he didn't say all that. Jesus, um, I imagine, steps up probably because of the images I've seen growing up. And he reaches out his hand and he says, peace be still. And immediately... The clouds dissipate, the rain stops, the wind ceases, no more thunder, no more lightning, and they're sitting just still in the water. And the disciples in disbelief look at each other and they say, wow, 
He has the power over even storms. That's phenomenal. Now, have you ever been caught in a storm? Have you ever been caught in a physical storm? I should ask that. Because I know in Berrien Springs, we had a lot of rain these last few weeks. Up at camp meeting, we had a lot of rain and storms. We were a few days in a row, just nonstop storms. We've all, all of our hands will go up, like many of those who had a rotary phone. We've all been in storms, right? And I want to hear your, your storm stories someday, but how many of you have been in a boat during a storm? Oh, we got some. I bet Lake Michigan has some crazy stories. Now, I have been in a huge storm on the water. And it wasn't a fishing boat with water coming in. It actually was this huge ferry boat on the Aegean Sea. And I was sailing from Athens, Greece, to this little island of Lesbos. And on this island, they were asking for volunteers to help receive these uh, rafts of refugees coming. They needed some help there. So my friend asked me, hey, do you want to go over and serve? I said, all right. It was my Christmas break. I was studying at the seminary. And I said, I have a few weeks off, a little money. Let's go. Let's go help. And we went to help these people. They had been, um, they were arriving on rafts, like these overpacked rafts. And they came, they came across hungry, wet, scared. And the littlest baby I remember receiving from the raft was three weeks old. It was just insane. The oldest man, he was 89. And these people coming across to Greece have some storm stories. We heard some of them. But, but I'm telling you about the way, on our way to that island where we were going to serve, we were traveling from Athens, and we decided to take the 12-hour ferry ride instead of the flight, which in retrospect wasn't a good idea. There's a few-hour flight or a 12-hour ferry ride. We tried to save some money. I said, hey, it'll be great. We'll board the boat, 7 p.m., eat some dinner, go to sleep, wake up, and we'll be there, Right? No problem. We had this nice little cabin, two little beds, a little bathroom. And um, I, was, I was excited to be like, you know, lulled by the water to sleep. And sometimes storms will catch you off guard. Sometimes storms in life, we've experienced it, just come at us when we don't know or not ready. So only a few hours in, night had fallen. It started to get a little bit bumpy. And just like the storm on the Sea of Galilee, this storm intensified quickly. And within a half an hour, it went from like, woo, to like, woo. We were, the swells were ginormous. And we were on this ship. It was actually like a big, big ferry ship, 15 stories or 15 decks tall. I was staying on the ninth deck in a, in a little cabin, and there was no balconies like a cruise ship. It just had windows. So we had this little window in our room. And um, looking out the window, we were going up these huge swells and then down these ginormous swells. Water was splashing from the waves up to our ninth story window. It was, I was very afraid. I literally thought this was it. And I had no, I had my phone, but I had no Wi-Fi, no cell signal. So I couldn't look at a radar or anything. And there was one thing told over the announcement in the boat. And he said, they said in a very calm voice, they said, please head to your cabins and secure your belongings. Like that was it. And they could repeat that a few times. So we were in there. Listen, it was so bad. We were sliding off the bed. Like it was really, really tossing us around. And I was very afraid. So I told my friend, I said, 
I have to go find out if this is like a Titanic situation or like, where are we with this? I just can't sit here any longer. So I, I remembered on the eighth floor, there's this common area. I said, I think I can make it down there. So I left my little cabin and tossed down the hall. Um, I decided for the stairs, not the elevator. And I made it somehow down there. And I got to this eighth floor and I remember a crew member had been sitting there selling snacks. And I, when I got there, this young man was sitting with his little crew vest on his thing, scared to death, holding on, rocking back and forth as well. And I went up to him and um, I, I was like, is this normal? <laughs> I didn't really, and he, with a smile on his face, but fear in his eyes, shook his head no. And he said to me, call on your gods. Yeah, call on your gods. Now, just like you, I know the story found in Matthew 8, Mark 4, and Luke 8. I know that Jesus calmed the storm. But when these waves came crashing down and hitting my ninth story window. I went looking for peace from this 19-year-old crew member. I know Jesus is in the boat. I know the story. How many times do we try to save ourselves? Just like me, just like the disciples. How many times do we do that? Who do you call during a storm? In Desire of Ages, um, she continues in the story of, of um, this miracle. And she says this, as Jesus rested by faith in the Father's care, so we are to rest in the care of our Savior. If the disciples had trusted in him, they would have been kept in peace. Their fear in the time of danger revealed their unbelief. In their efforts to save themselves, they forgot Jesus. And it was only when in despair of self-dependence, they turned to him that he could give them help. So I asked my friends this morning, what storms are you facing in your life right now? When you see those swells coming to crash in on you, do you call out to God? Or do you pick up your phone and call someone else? The Bible gives us so many examples of people who did call out to God, but there's also examples of those who didn't. We can learn from some of these people. Samson calls a woman, Samaritan woman calls men. David calls a hitman. Abraham calls Egypt. Aaron calls a golden calf. Gideon calls out why. Belshazzar calls a party. Saul, before he was Paul, calls assassins. Tamar calls a stylist. Korah calls an army. The Israelites call Moses. Jonah called a travel agent. King Saul calls a medium. Like, let's learn from their mistakes. Do we really humbly call on Jesus in the midst of the storm? Now I want you to turn with me to John 16, 25. John 16, 25. You can grab your smartphones or your Bibles, whatever you brought with you. John 16, 25. And this is right before Judas betrays Jesus. That happens in chapter 18. Chapter 17 is the high priestly prayer. So this is right before Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's about to be handed over to be crucified um, in this story. And he, he knows, Jesus knows that the sacrifice, his sacrifice is coming soon. 
And he's speaking to his disciples. He's, he's given them lots of illustrations. They've seen the miracles. They've been walking with him. And he's, he's saying, hey, I'm getting serious. Things are about to go down. Jesus is about to make this ultimate sacrifice for you, for me, for his disciples. He says, I'm just trying to give them one last encouragement. So John 16, 25. The Bible says this, these things I have spoken to you in figures of speech. Read chapter 16, all of it one time, you'll see what he's talking about. He's talking about these lessons he had just shared. An hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. And on that day, you will ask in my name, and I am not saying to you that I will request of the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me, and have believed that I came forth from the Father. I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I am leaving the world and I'm going to the Father. He's trying to help them understand what's about to happen, right? And his disciples say, see, now you're speaking plainly and not using any figures of speech. Now we know you know, Jesus, you know all things and that you have no need for anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came forth from God. And Jesus replied to them, do you now believe? Behold, an hour is coming and has already come for you to be scattered, each with his own home, and to leave me alone. And yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. Do you have peace in the middle of your storms? The verse continues, In the world you have tribulation. We'll have problems, we'll have troubles, we'll have issues, we will have storms. But take courage. I, Jesus says, have overcome the world. He's already done it. He says, yes, we're going to have problems. But Jesus is the only way to have peace in the middle of the storm. And there are many storms we go through in life. You may be thinking of those in your mind right now. They come small, they come huge. They come as fights with your spouse, with parents, with children. They come as arguments with friends. They come as health battles. They come as losing those we love. Accidents, addictions, mistakes. They come as being left out on the playground or not being invited to sit at the table. Um, My daughter came home from preschool this last week and um, she said, Mommy, they left me out. They could, they wouldn't let me sit to eat lunch. That's a storm in her little life. And so we pray together. And I'm just saying, each and every one of us will have storms. They'll be financial, they'll be emotional, they'll be spiritual. Storms will hit our lives. The waves will come. And where do you turn? Who do you call? Remember, you can call on God. No matter where you are, no matter what you've done, read the story of Manasseh sometime. Call on God. Now, we were at the youth tent at camp meeting this last week, and Jim Castor reminded um, us of Louis Giglio's How Great Is Our God Sermon. I don't know if any of you remember that. It hit me pretty hard when I saw that years ago. Um, He talks about, Louis Giglio talks about how big the cosmos is. And I'd never looked at it or heard that, how it explained that way before until I heard him. And he says this, he takes a golf ball and he says, do you know how big the sun is? If the earth is this golf ball, the sun is 15 feet in diameter. That's how big our sun is. And he goes through all these planets in our galaxy. Then he gets to one of the biggest known stars, which is called Canis Majoris. And he says, get this, if earth 
was a golf ball. And you take the golf ball and you place it at the foot of Mount Everest. The earth would be that size and compared to this star as tall as Mount Everest. Almost six feet tall, six miles tall. That's how big earth is. And he says, find yourself on there. That's just, those are just the sun and that star, just one or two of the stars in our known universe, in our known galaxy. That's just within our little galaxy, right? And he says, 9.3 billion of our suns fit into Canis Majoris. Of our suns, not the earth. 9.3 billion. In case million and billion mess you up, which they kind of do me sometimes, this helps break it down. One million seconds ago was 12 days ago. So Louis Giglio tells us, one billion seconds ago was December 1989. That's how many a billion is. And so 9.3 billion of our suns fit into this star. That's ginormous. Like that's huge, right? And God is the creator of this all, of all of this. And this is just within our galaxy. There's a hundred to 400 known, a billion known galaxies. Like God created all of this. It's just amazing to me. The Hubble telescope, which is orbiting the earth, gives us just these glimpses into the cosmos. They said they found 10 more galaxies by looking at this one black spot in the sky uh, for like 12, I don't remember how long, but they said they just continued to look at it with Hubble and they found 10 more galaxies. And NASA in October, if you follow this, they're planning to launch a new telescope into space. And it's not going to orbit the sun like the Hubble. It's going to orbit, I mean, sorry, it's not going to orbit the earth like the Hubble. It's going to actually orbit the sun so they can get farther out and try to see farther. But we know, we know God created this, right? Job 26.7 says, God spread out the northern skies over empty space and he suspends the earth over nothing. Created the earth. And he not only created these ginormous, huge stars, but he created each and every one of you. God, the Bible says that he knows every single hair on your head. Before you brushed it this morning and after. Every single hair. He does a recount. That's how well God wants to know you. And he knocks on the door of our heart. And, and my friends, call on God when things are going crazy. As the disciples watched Jesus stand up and say, peace be still, and the storm stop, Luke 8.25 recounts this. The disciples said, who is this? Even the winds and the water obey him. We serve a mighty, mighty God. Amen. And he invites each and every one of us to know him intimately. So please, my appeal today is call on God. Just call on God. Let's pray. God, you are a big God. You are a mighty God. We worship you. And Father, we know this earth has storms until you come again. So please help us to turn to you in every way. In your name, amen.